0: Hello everybody, Michael here. For the second episode of Allocated, I have a friend, her name is Becca Miller. She actually went to high school with me, and we were friends, but not like the type that you'd hang out with on the weekends. Uh, She contacted me about the show, and I learned quite a bit about Becca. Since high school, she's been a park ranger, living in six amazing national parks across the country and moving, of course, every time I'm living on the park. Uh, she has been balancing the need to fit in with the need to stand out. And again, I am Michael Hogman and this is Allocated. Hello, and welcome to Allocated. Today we have Becca Miller on the show, We episode two. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. It's late. What is it? eighth third year so i'm naturally tired so that's i think that's a little bit expected especially on a random tuesday but there is one thing i have to ask you it's been about 25 years i i need to ask do your feet still hurt from what from when you asked me to dance with you in seventh grade
1: <laughs> it was seventh grade
0: it was seventh <laughs> grade it was seventh grade and I was super clumsy. My feet grew from size eight to 11 in like a year and a half. And I was literally walking around with flippers on and I had no idea what I was doing, but I haven't gotten any better at dancing. I was just wondering, are they healed?
1: They they have healed up just fine. I had to go get surgery, but they're all right now. <laughs>
0: well, I'm glad the surgery worked out for you. <laughs> And that, that got me to thinking, too, like, I don't think we've even spoken since high school. Like, it's been, well, we graduated in 05, so it's been almost 20, 20 years since then, which, wow, that sounds sounds horrible to say oh out loud. God. Yeah. Yeah, so I had absolutely no idea that you were a park ranger. And, like, I've heard through a couple of friends, like, that's what, like, what you do. I'm like, that sounds absolutely amazing. Like, I am very jealous coming from a guy who does concrete. So I was just wondering like how did you decide to become a park ranger how how did that uh, come about
1: Yeah it was it kind of came in spurts like when I was a kid we would go camping a lot and when we would go to national parks I would do the little junior ranger booklets where it's like a kids activity book and when you finish it you go talk to the ranger and they look through answers and you get a little badge um, and I just remember being a little kid at Acadia National Park and doing the Junior Ranger program. And I just remember being in like complete awe of the ranger. I was like, "His outfit is amazing. He knows everything about owls. Like he seems really happy. He seems like the coolest person I know." So that like planted a seed, and I I ended up going to college with somebody who became a park ranger and. Um, when I was twenty five, he randomly messaged me on Facebook and was like, "Hey, do you want to come be a park ranger for the summer? And so I like dropped everything in my life. I broke up with a boyfriend. I moved all the way across the country to California and just like lived out of my, you know, two door Honda Civic. like
0: it was it was it, a black <laughs> Civic, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. It was in some pictures,
0: Are, yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. I think I actually might remember seeing that I think on Facebook. so. To recap that, you dumped a guy because you wanted to wear the cool park ranger hat.
1: Yes, I did.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, it's I can respect cool
1: that. I don't know. It's I the excitement I get from my job and working for a conservation organization. Like it just fills my soul to the very top. It was a hard decision, but it was probably the best decision I've made as an adult.
0: Yeah, we're we're adults now. I, yeah,
1: adults. apparently.
0: <laughs> and and uh, through um, working with the Park Service, have have you been to many different parks that you that you lived at?
1: Yes, I have lived and worked in six national parks, and I've worked for the Park Service for about ten years. And I'm actually, I just ended my work with the Park Service, and I'm joining the Forest Service in about a week. Um, so yeah, six national parks, but I've worked in a handful of state parks and private conservation live at facilities
0: so when you like when you move those six times, um, I guess when I think of a park ranger, I see somebody living at a house on on the park, and like there's nobody or like nothing around, like you're like by yourself, is that? actually true or, or like do you actually have a social life
1: so it depends on the park um my first national park i worked at that i i worked there for three summers um sequoia national park i lived and worked in lodgepole district which is like an hour and a half from the entrance up near the giant sequoia trees you know the biggest trees in the world and there were probably like 75 of us who worked for the national park who lived in these, like, ki- I don't want to say dumpy because they were just fine, but they were tiny little cabin houses that you shared with another person. And so, like, we were all up there. We had a, a rec hall that we would go hang out at. So, that was extremely social. It honestly felt like summer camp for adults. It was great, but it was not isolated. Um, I have worked in national parks where I couldn't live inside the park, so I had to live off-site and in Nevada when I worked for Great Base, And that was like I had a little A-frame cabin, and like if I would have screamed bloody murder, nobody would have heard me because there's like, you know, n- the next town is seventy miles away. So it's kind of a, it's kind of both. But whenever you work in a national park, there's always like a built-in. We call them government-issued friends. <laughs> Everybody who works at the park, you're just like you learn to get along with them and like that's that's your pickings for your friend group
0: <laughs> so has your like with your uh your government issue friends has your perspective of like say fitting in has that changed like from moving six different times to all these different places
1: yeah so uh, everybody who chooses to work for the park service or an organization like that who were like We say we sign the papers. We're like, yep, we'll move anywhere for a job. I'm just passionate about what I do. It's a really eclectic group of people, and they're usually wildly interesting people. Like, um, maybe they're super hyper interested in like a specific time period of reptiles from like 200 million years ago. So that's like their focus. They're super into that. They're super nerds. So they're usually like really interesting, wonderful people. So I don't feel like I have to try that hard to fit in because we're all so different. Like everybody's really, uh, for the most part, everybody is themselves truly, fully. And we're just kind of like islands of misfit toys, if that makes sense. So fitting in isn't really the goal. It's just like, let me show you this really fucking cool bug that I just found the other day, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) So you got to kind of, so in a sense, you try to find your, the nerd that you, that you connect with. Yes. So the process of making friends, that probably hasn't, that probably isn't, isn't harder, I guess, per se, because you're kind of within a group of people that have very like interests.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's that difficult, but, um, like my first, the very first ranger job I got, I was really concerned about fitting in because like I had the ranger ideal in my head and I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm a fake. Like, uh, I'm not a park ranger. I'm just going to get the uniform. And like, oh, what if these people don't like me? And as soon as I got there, like I realized that everybody's just there to have fun and to do what they love. And like, if you try to fit in people can tell that's what you're doing and it's very off-putting
0: <laughs> gosh it's so it's obviously it's really inauthentic and you can pick it out pretty easy is what you're saying
1: yeah i mean you've had those moments where you have your spidey sense to start tingling you're like something's not right about this interaction i had with somebody and it's really a shame cuz like when somebody's trying to fit in they're just looking for connection with another human, but if that's their goal is just to fit in, um, I don't think that's coming from a genuine place and we can sense that, you know?
0: And uh, does being in nature at some of the most beautiful places like around the U.S., does that affect your mental health?
1: It, It definitely can feel that way, but like my mental health is so much better since I've worked in the outdoors because being outside and going on hikes and going kayaking and like whatever activity outside is like um it's not a substitute for, for therapy for me but it's like it it feeds all it releases all the good juices in my brain you know so it's been really good for me but the isolation part can be real and it can be very lonely sometimes when you're in a situation where you can't live in the park or you don't jive with people that well who work at the park. Um, I've, I have probably felt the most intense loneliness of my life in this job. And I've also felt the, the most connected I have with people, um, in this time period of my life too. So it's kind of a double edged sword, but the, the loneliness teaches you things too you know, like that can be very useful, um, to sit in that and learn from, from the loneliness, if that makes sense.
0: What, what does that teach you?
1: It, man, well, anything that's just like uncomfortable, you know, we try to get away from it, but with loneliness, that's one of the ones you cannot, you can't avoid that. Like, if you feel loneliness, like, what are you going to do? Like go to the grocery store to be around other people? Like, <laughs> um, loneliness i feel like loneliness has taught me a lot about my resilience and my ability to to really at least try my best to be happy with myself you know and not seek external validation as much as i have in the past and you know just just realizing like when you're sitting on top of a mountain and like, I couldn't find anybody to go hiking with me. So I got to go hiking by myself, which happens a lot. Um, You'll get up to the summit. You pull out your like smashed peanut butter and jelly and like your hot bottle of water. And like, you're sitting there and all you can hear is like the wind whipping around the peak and the birds. And like, you're looking at the weird little plants that live up there and you get you get some deep peace in loneliness that you can't get around other people, and I think that that fills that fills your soul up in a way that interaction with people can't. And it's a scary place to go because a lot of us, when we're lonely, we're sad. Um, but I don't know. I think it's good to explore those feelings and feel that discomfort. At least it's been beneficial to me.
0: So would you say that some parts of loneliness have actually been a positive experience?
1: Ooh, I wouldn't have said yes in the moment. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have been like, "Oh yeah, this loneliness is awesome." <laughs> like I never would have said that. But in hindsight, um I think it grew me as a person and makes me more appreciative of the connections I do make now and I'm I'm more um, I don't. I'm. I don't want to say careful, but I'm more like I'm more picky with who I let into my
0: space. I think apprehensive, maybe.
1: Um, uh, I wouldn't say apprehensive. I I would say just picky. Like, I'm not just gonna let anybody anybody's energy like fuck with me. You know.
0: You're not gonna let anybody go on your hike with you. Is what you're saying. <laughs> Everybody let can just go on hike with anybody, me. <laughs> oh anybody
1: if you can keep up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that might that might be the, the hard part is actually keep is actually keeping up. So for somebody that's never like you the way you express that is going up on a mountain, pulling out a smashed sandwich in your hot bottle of water and then just looking out and everything. Do you think everybody needs to do that at least once in their life? oh hell yeah i think you should do it regularly and you don't have to
1: hike to the top of a mountain to get that experience uh like where you're at you can just go on like a quiet day maybe in the spring when it's still a little cold go rent a kayak go pick up a kayak from a friend and kayak the upper iowa river by yourself and just be present you know, let your thoughts go by and think about all the shit you haven't let yourself think about and just be alone. Like you can, you can go on a walk anywhere out there. There are so many trails in Northeast Iowa to just go and be alone.
0: You know, sometimes I actually do prefer being alone over being with people kind of for that, that same effect. And I guess I kind of get that. I go by the the local man made lake by me, and uh, like go hang out there with the dog. I, I guess I bring my dog with me. She counts so, but I bring her with me, and then I kind of I kind of get the same effect. But and when I do that, I actually leave my phone in my car. That way, I have no distractions, and then yeah, like just sit there and chill out and. Like you said, loneliness can go from being sad to being happy. I think I kind of maybe mastered meeting that that medium, like the medium the middle of it, yeah, which was really freaking hard to do, like very hard to do. Because for a while I was on the sad part, and then like I couldn't cross over. So I think like if like when I asked that, I think I think everybody, I I also think everybody should try that out at least. A few times, like you said, whether it's like going kayaking or like, you don't have to go up a mountain because I don't have mountains accessible <laughs> to me right now. So I I totally agree that that should be something that definitely should be explored. And from, you said you going, like going hiking or going outside and being active outside. Do you do sports or any athletics? Yeah, Since I do. Feel- in all those awesome places.
1: I'd say I'm casually involved in stuff. So, um, I like kayaking, I like paddleboarding, I love canoeing, hiking. Um, I got really into caving for a while. Um, which I think that's probably the most athletic um sport I do. Um, but hiking can really kick your ass if you if you pick the right
0: trail. Caving is more athletic than hiking?
1: Let's yes. Explain.
0: Because
1: (laughs) um, caving is it's pretty much like rock climbing, except you're underground, like you're using all the same skill sets. You're you're scrambling Mm -hmm. like you're um, sometimes you get to a squeeze in the rocks where you have to, you know, poke your shoulder up. So you're a little thinner. You lay your head on your side. And the only thing that's propelling you forward through this squish is your toes like scooting yourself along and you have to exhale to fit through a gap. So yeah, caving is very athletic.
0: It sounds like I need to go to the chiropractor immediately after that.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Maybe if you hurt yourself. It's awesome. (laughs) Talk about solitude.
0: (laughs) When you do those sports like with other people, like going hiking or going kayaking, do you think that's your way to fit in?
1: You know, I think that's, as an adult, especially in my th- professional field, that's how I've made a lot of my friends. Um, because it's it's kind of a, a low-hanging fruit to, like, say, oh, I like to kayak. Who here likes to kayak? Let's go kayak. <laughs> and, oh, turns out you can be friends with just about anybody if you're just, like, a nice person. So, I would say, yeah, that is how I make a lot of my friends is shared interests.
0: And uh, when speaking like with the public or like with other people, what would you say are some um, stereotypes or misconceptions that they have about park rangers? About park rangers? Oh boy,
1: we get the wildest questions, dude. Like, I can't even begin. Um, Some of the most common ones are like, they see me doing my job and they're like, oh, like, oh, this is so fun. You get to do this. What's your real job? And so what they're saying to me really with that question is, oh, this looks like fun. It probably doesn't pay very well. How do you make <clears throat> your money? Um, and, you know, hate to burst your bubble, but I'm just like poor and happy. <laughs> like, that's how I'm rolling right now. <laughs> Broken smiling. Um, so I get that one a lot. Um People kind of forget that people in uniform are humans and that we just live normal lives. We just do a, a different job than they've ever done. So people will like look at my hand and ask me why I'm not married. Or they'll ask me, what does your husband think about you doing this before they realize I don't have a ring on my finger? Um, so that's another interesting one. Um, what else? People think that I'm a cop because I have a badge. Um, and not not all park rangers are cops. We just all have the same uniform. So people will, you know, say thank you for your service. And I'm like, dude, I'm just like really into birds and like rocks and shit. Like, I'm not I'm I'm civil I'm a civil servant. Okay, that is work, but like don't thank me for my service. I'm not a military member. Um what else? Uh oh, when I tell people. They're like, oh, where do you live? Like, where could you possibly live? And I go, you know, just like over there. And they're like, what? you live at the park? Oh, it's so oh my cool. god! Yeah, it blows their minds. And people always, I've gotten this one a lot where people will will feel the need to tell me like, um, like if if I could go back. And do everything all over again, I would have been a park ranger for sure. Or like, oh, maybe I'll be a park ranger when I retire. Um so people just people kind of see our jobs as like this weird fun thing that isn't really a real profession. Um and we we get pretty interesting questions because of that.
0: <laughs> that's that's awesome. So has anybody ever made the joke about Ask him about your long commute to work since you mm. live on the park.
1: No, but they do always say something like, Oh, yeah, well, that's a nice commute or some shit like that. And they're like, Oh, well, I live in LA. I have to commute an hour and a half each way. You know, people are predictable with their jokes.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, I guess, well, this is a little sideline from there, but so do you, do you feel, an, uh, the need to balance. Wow. All right. Redo that. So how do you balance the need to fit in with the need to stand out? The
1: need to fit in versus the need to stand out. Well, both the, the needs and wants for those two things are, I think everybody feels them and we feel them mm-hmm. more strongly in different parts of our life. Like you and I are in our thirties, like, you know second half of our 30s now. So I think by the time you get to this age you're starting to figure out that that none of that fucking matters. But in my 20s that's almost all that I cared about, you know, do people like me? Am I accepted? Like am I doing enough of XYZ? Um but I I feel like if you're trying to do either of those two things, like if fitting in and standing out are your goals. It's you're going to fail miserably because you're not actually being yourself. You know, you're just looking for validation somewhere else. Like fitting in is like, oh, people like me, I'm part of a group, that's great. Standing out is, oh, she's the best at XYZ. Um, oh, she's the prettiest or oh, she has this amazing quality. Um, and if you're trying too hard for either of those things is just not going to happen. So the way I kind of started approaching those two things is like this is so cliché and it's like we've all been told this by guidance counselors and therapists just be yourself. Be yourself. Figure out what your passion is and like pursue that shit make it important even if it's like stamp collecting like it doesn't have to be hiking mountains or like becoming the next like red bull sponsored mountain biker like you can do whatever makes your heart happy and that's genuine that's you so being yourself finding your passion and rolling with it hard just head first both feet um being nice to people having an open mind for everybody that you meet you don't know what they're going through or where they came from or what they've done with their lives that's wildly interesting um and just like trusting your gut instincts and just being open to shit you know i think
0: <sighs> you think part I don't of think it is that people have that people, like you said, trust in your gut and like being open, you think people are um, afraid to try new things. So they think they have to do something different just to fit in or just to, to be accepted or to stand out. And like, you know, like you mentioned before about not being your authentic self and how important that is.
1: Yeah, I think the need, the strong need to fit in is really just being afraid. It's being afraid of not being accepted for who you really are. And that's real, and that's a valid fear. And I think we all have that, you know. Um, but that starts, that fear starts to go away when you start just doing what the fuck you want to do. And everything falls into place once you start to do that, you know? They're very, they're hard things to accomplish if like your goal, like if I were to ever go to a, move to a new park and be like I need to fit in, I need to stand out at the same time, but I need to fit in with this group of really rad people, um I wouldn't I wouldn't successfully do either of those things cuz people like I said before, people will sniff sniff that out in you if you aren't being genuine and if you're not being yourself. So when when I think about fitting in at this age, You know, where I'm 36. Um, Fitting in at this point in my life looks more like, am I am I happy? Do I have a small group of people who love me and appreciate me for who I am truly? Then that checks the box. You know, I'm not looking for everybody to like me. Um, I don't want everybody to like me. I think that's bullshit because that's not real, you know? Um, I don't like a whole lot of people and if I'm on that list for other people then it's honestly none of my business if people don't like me that's fine I I don't need to know and I kind of don't care Um, but when 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 I'm at least thinking about those two things together because they seem like they're opposing ideas but they're really super tied together by our fear our fear of being accepted for who we genuinely are right so i th- i think that's how you get around those things and end up being successful in both of them like if if you're yourself and you have passions that you are super into i don't care like it it could be like i love to press wildflowers or um i love crosswords or oh i'm super big into like the fanciest coffee you can find I promise like if you're looking into that shit and connecting with other people who have the same passion as you, that's your group of people, you know, and that that's how I've kind of operated. You know, if if I'm really super into like just the other day, like I just moved to Jerome, Arizona, and um, I was looking at stuff to do in between my jobs and I was like, oh, there's going to be a geology hike at the Sedona state park. So I signed up for it. I went by myself and I learned a lot about the geology, but also I had like really great conversation with the other people who were on the hike. I didn't know any of them, but they were all there for the same reason, which is let's nerd out on rocks, you know? And it was a lovely way to spend a couple hours. Um, So I think just, you know, showing up for shit you care about and being kind and open to experiences with new people like that that's where you find your collection of people and if you're involved in the shit you care about and if you're in you're investing your time and your energy into what you care about you'll bubble up to the top when you told me that's what you wanted this podcast topic to be i thought about it hard and i was like oh why does this topic?" (laughs) me, And I think it's because we're all we're all scared of not being successful at either of those things. You know, it's, it's really fucking scary to think I'm not going to fit in or I am not going to stand out. And if you just forget all that fear and just do you and do it bravely, it'll both of those things will happen. And if and if you don't fit in with people, if they don't like you, fuck them. It's fine. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) That's how I see it. (laughs) Yeah. And then you hit a point, right? And you snap. (laughs) And you and that's that's when you get in situations where you hate your life and you aren't in love with your partner and you have a job that sucks the soul out of your body. Like, that's how you end up at our age or in your forties or fifties, and you look around and you're like, oh my God, what have I spent my time doing? You know? and maybe you've checked off the boxes maybe you got married when your family wanted you to get married maybe you had kids at the time all your friends were having kids and maybe you work at the office that your dad worked at but you realize you're not happy because you aren't you aren't being you
0: so do you feel the uh, the pressure to conform to other people's like expectations or like behaviors or like feel like you mentioned that You're supposed to be like all your friends are getting married or all having kids. Do you feel like it's like, I guess, obviously, that's a big step. But uh, do you feel like that's what you're supposed to do? So do you try to go that route type thing or.
1: So I think one of the best things I I love the Midwest, I really do. I miss our hometown so deeply and I I've gotten all my friends to say UFTA you know, wherever I've gone, because, you know, I just love I love the attitudes of the Midwest. But something that I would have really struggled with if I would have stayed there is I see how pressured everybody gets to do the things that are expected of you. Um, I mean, a lot of people who are from the Midwest or areas where they grew up, like um, you have multiple generations of family members pressuring you to do things that they want you to do but expectations there are weird expectations that still drive my behavior like we talked about caving a little bit um so like when i first started caving i I was caving with the park ecologist from um, great basin national park this incredible woman who's like i don't know every once in a while you meet somebody and you're just like star starstruck you know you're just like oh my god You're so cool and so brave and you have so many skills that I want. Like, let me learn everything from you. So she would take me caving, and we would get to a part that was like pretty scary. Like I remember first time she brought me to an area where you had to chimney, which is the technique of where you're you have a narrow gap that your body fits into sideways. And the only reason why you don't fall down this shoot and get crumpled up and die is because of the pressure between your butt and your knees. Like you just scooch along and there's a lot of space below you that you can't see the bottom of probably sharp rocks down there. Um and I watched her do it and she was like, you could do it. Come on. And I was like, oh, I am very scared. And she was like, you could do it. Come on. And so she just kept scooching away. And I said no. And she was like, "Oh, that's fine. I'll just go get the data logger and you can just wait here." So I was by myself in a cave. You can't hear anything. She's gone and I'm sitting there just being like, "Damn it. Like I should have done th- I should have done the thing. I should have been brave." And she came back and the next time we got to a, a position where it was very scary. I did it. And it was awesome and I I didn't die. You know, I think there's there's merit to being pressured in certain ways. But if it makes you uncomfortable or doesn't sit right with you, I think you have a duty to yourself to fully reject it.
0: And when you reject it, do you feel like like an outcast or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get over that. Like, I decided I didn't want to have kids a while ago. Um, that really hurt my mom for a while. (laughs) Um, but now it's just like a thing and she doesn't pressure me anymore. And that's great. But yeah, when you, when you choose to not do the thing people want you to do, that is we, we evolve to submit to to pressures, right? I think that's why we're a successful species because we did the thing for so long. Um, but we're not under the same pressures anymore. We live in a different world. And I think we're all able to choose our own fates now. And that's hard. And it gives us really weird feelings. And people get really fucking mad at you if you don't do what they want you to do. But the scarier thing, rather than like having your grandma be mad at you for the next four holidays, the scarier thing is living a life that you don't like. So outcast, yeah, maybe. But again, it's your life. And if people want to be mad at you for things you aren't doing that they think you should do, I think they have a problem and you don't.
0: I guess one thing I want to ask, do people ever look at you weird when you say you're from Iowa and then like you explain like we actually have nice stuff back here and they're like, what? Iowa? It's all flat. There's nothing going. And then you'd be like, no, check check this out. And then like you show them like some stuff we have. Are they Are people like mind blown? Or no?
1: All the time, dude. I really? mean, I think oh all the time like either they're like oh are you a cyclone or a hawkeye you know um Mm -hmm. so they relate to sports first and then the next relation is oh i've driven on i80 and it was the most boring thing i've ever done and people will like openly talk shit about iowa to my face after i tell them i'm from iowa and sometimes i choose to just go ha ha you know and just like whatever i'm not going to address that but sometimes I do pull out pictures of Decorah and Northeast Iowa and that whole area, and I'm just like, dude, you have no idea. We're from an insanely beautiful place. Like, if they had a park, a national park there, I would just live there. Um, so yeah, there is, there is a lot of um, people. People think Iowa's Idaho a lot too. They just don't know Iowa exists.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, you're you're the potato state corn dude it's corn
1: not even close
0: <laughs> if you had a like a a dream location you could work at for the park what park would you pick and why
1: oh boy um that that's an impossible question to answer cuz i have worked in some places i had never heard of before i got the job and they ended up being some of the coolest places like i've i've never and I don't know, have you ever gone to a national park and been like, whoa, that place fucking sucked? Like, I've never thought that. Have
0: I've you? Nev- I've never been to a national park before. What? I haven't been to any of them. Yellowstone is atop my list, though, but I've never been to any.
1: I'm going to pressure you right now and shame you for not doing that. I'm going to give you some societal pressure to- but I I can't pick. I mean, I have a couple parks that I will never visit until I work there because I know they're going to be dope. Like the Grand Tetons are right up my alley. Um, I've never been to Yosemite and everybody who I talk to who's a member of the public is like, what? You're a park ranger? You've never been to Yosemite? No, Yellowstone. Sorry, Yellowstone. I have been to Yosemite. That place is rad. Um, I... I can work anywhere really in the public sector with conservation and probably be happy. Yeah. I mean, we end up finding our favorites, but that's why I've worked in six national parks. Cause like you work somewhere for a while and then you move to the next one. And that kind of continues until you feel like you're ready to settle in one spot. And I'm, I think I'm getting there. I might be there now. Um, but it's it takes a while to get there, and it's one of the joys of being a park ranger is that you get to deeply experience these places for as long as you want.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you for being on the show and taking time tonight. I'm glad I caught you in between jobs. That way, you actually had some time to do it. So that's yeah. good. And uh, it was nice to catch up. It's been, I guess, I don't only about 25 years. You know, it's been a hot minute. So. Yeah. (laughs) So that has been awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I was really surprised when you messaged and said you'd be interested. I'm like, yes. And for anybody listening, I'd like to thank you for making it to the end of this episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe or like this video or audio recording and look forward to the next episode in two weeks. Again, I am Michael Hogman. This is Allocated. Have a good day.